It's Tuesday, September 26th, 2023. And this is Uranium Spotlight, your weekly podcast dedicated to delivering the latest news and events shaping the uranium fuel market and its critical role in the global energy landscape. Brought to you by PurePoint Uranium Group, trading on the TSX Venture and the OTCQB. PurePoint actively operates a portfolio of advanced uranium projects in the world's richest uranium district and has established partnerships with some of the largest uranium suppliers worldwide. While our passion for this subject is undeniable, it's essential to clarify that the information presented here is not investment advice. Instead, our goal is to offer an unbiased and comprehensive review of recent events that could impact uranium prices. And now your host, Chris Frostad. This week on Uranium Spotlight, we look at the strains on the global nuclear fuel supply, global nuclear cooperation, two governments that are opposing new power plants, and an interview with Atkins Realis CEO, Ian Leslie Edwards. The uranium spot price climbed another $2.80 last week to close at $68.30 U.S. per pound U308. That momentum kept going this week, with it jumping an additional $1.70 to close out yesterday, September 25th, at $70 even. While overall spot volumes trended at lower levels this month, a few rounds of new demand from several sources emerged over the past week. Tight supply and rising bid levels last week delivered yesterday's new high watermark. Outside of some additional off-market interest, there were no new formal term requests reported over the past week. However, the long-term uranium market remains very active, with multiple utilities awaiting or evaluating offers or in off-market negotiations. Many market analysts last week predicted that by December of this year, uranium would have a price of between $75 and $80, enough to reopen mines in several regions around the world. Eventually, the increased production from those reopened mines will allow supply to catch up with demand, causing prices to look for an appropriate equilibrium. It will, however, take several years for production to expand to this degree. On top of this, the now popular Small Modular Reactor, or SMR, takes a different kind of fuel called high-assay, low-enriched uranium, or HALU. Today, Western countries would either need to rely heavily on Russia, which controls most of the world's facilities for producing HALU, or find a way to seriously ramp up their own enrichment capabilities. Fuel for existing reactors, or light water reactors, use low-enriched uranium, enriched to between 3 and 5% purity, while HALU is enriched to between 15 and 20% and therefore requires different production methods. This imbalance in the HALU supply chain and the current global shortage of uranium will be exacerbated for those yet undeveloped reactors. France is one country that is straining under the weight of the increased demand for uranium and perhaps HALU in the coming years. The World Nuclear Association has said that France could get half of its total nuclear capacity from SMRs by 2040. And that's not a small number, given that France currently derives as much as 70% of its electricity production from its 56 operable reactors. This week, French grid operator RTE has said that France will need to ramp up its total nuclear generation by over 10%, meaning that not only do they need to build more reactors, but as the older reactors in their aging fleet go offline, they will need to replace them as well. To make matters worse, these older reactors have been most recently suffering from maintenance problems. While these issues may be coming to a close, France's problem with how they are going to build and fuel a new fleet of reactors may only just be beginning and will probably be very expensive in both the short and medium term. 
Canada made a deal with Romania last week to finance part of a Canadian-built CANDU reactor in that country. CANDU reactors are a Canadian design that can sustain a reaction using fuel that does not need to be very highly enriched, even when compared to the far more common light water reactors. Canada is providing $3 billion for the project, which the Canadian government claims will create good jobs for both Canadian and Romanian workers. The project will also support the wider goal of supporting European energy security. Turkey also expects to make a deal to build more reactors in its country, specifically its third nuclear power plant, this one in eastern Thrace of the European side of Bosphorus. Turkey expects to cooperate with the Chinese government on the construction of this nuclear plant, but says that there are still small differences between what their government wants and what the Chinese are prepared to provide. A deal is likely to be finalized within a few months. Poland also completed the environmental assessment for its first reactor this week, to be built by the American company Westinghouse using its AP-1000 technology. Russian state-owned company Rosatom is also building two reactors in the area, with two of its VVER-1200 reactors already under construction, with excavation already beginning and the first concrete expected to be poured in 2025. All across Eastern Europe, reactors are going up with cooperation from countries in both the East and the West, as those countries struggle to reduce their reliance on fossil fuels and go green. This week, the Canadian province of Quebec announced that they would not be reopening the Gentilly nuclear power plant after having previously discussed the reopening earlier in August. As well, the province will not consider building any new nuclear power plants, but is instead considering other options to increase power production, including increased energy efficiency and focusing more on hydroelectric dams. Austria has also announced that it will be using all the legal means at its disposal to oppose an expansion of the Kursko nuclear power plant in Slovenia, also making clear that they want the existing power plant shut down. The Kursko plant currently generates about 40% of Slovenia's power supply. Last week, Canada's Globe and Mail interviewed Ian Leslie Edwards, CEO of the recently rebranded SNC-Lavalin, now operating under the trading name Atkins Realis. Edwards envisions a resurgence in the nuclear industry, driven by the global push for net zero emissions. He believes that as many of the existing 600 aging nuclear reactors worldwide approach the end of their operational lives, the demand for baseload electricity will require the construction of around 1,200 new reactors, creating a multi-trillion dollar market. Atkins Realis, known for its can-do nuclear technology, could potentially secure contracts worth up to $600 billion U.S. if it captures 5% of this market. While nuclear power currently contributes 12% of Atkins Realis revenue, Edwards anticipates it becoming a significant portion of their business over the next decade. However, the company will continue to engage in various sectors, including infrastructure, renewable energy, and more, rather than becoming exclusively focused on nuclear power. Atkins Realis has undergone a transformation under Edwards, who took over as CEO in 2019. The company has shed underperforming business units, focusing on lean engineering and project management in wealthier countries. This strategy has led to improved financial performance, with revenues growing by 11% in 2022. Edwards believes that nuclear power is crucial for achieving net zero emissions and addressing the growing demand for electricity. While CANDU technology relies on unenriched uranium, which is cost-effective and less prone to proliferation concerns, it requires expensive heavy water. Edwards sees potential markets for CANDU reactors in countries like Canada, Romania, China, and Argentina, where the technology is already in use. 
Recent developments, such as Ottawa's provision of up to $3 billion in export financing for two new CANDU-6 reactors in Romania, indicate potential opportunities. Ontario, where over half of the electricity comes from nuclear power, presents a significant market for CANDU reactors. Both Bruce Power Limited and Ontario Power Generation Inc. are considering refurbishing and building new reactors. Edwards hopes to secure contracts with these operators, emphasizing that Ontario's commitment to nuclear power may give CANDU technology an advantage. Ian Leslie Edwards believes that the global move towards net zero emissions will drive in a revival in the nuclear industry, with Atkins Realis potentially benefiting from the construction of new reactors. While there are challenges such as competition from other nuclear technologies, the company sees opportunities in global markets. And that wraps up your Uranium Spotlight coverage for this week. For more news and events from the world of uranium, please tune in next week to Uranium Spotlight. You've been listening to Uranium Spotlight, your weekly podcast dedicated to delivering the latest news and events shaping the uranium fuel market in its critical role in the global energy landscape. Brought to you by PurePoint Uranium Group, advancing its position as the premier uranium explorer in the world's richest uranium district. Join us again next week for Uranium Spotlight. 